You know, it's funny at the at the top of my notes for this morning's sermon it says colder weather is coming. <laughs> I think it already got here. What do you think? There's no doubt about it. So what do we do? What do we do when colder weather starts to come? We uh, we get out the heavier jackets and and we pull out that comforter, right? That goes on the bed that keeps us warm. You know, I looked it up, and the word comforter, the word for the for the blanket, started to be used around 1758 in France. It was actually the word duvet. Anybody ever heard that word before? I have too. The word duvet actually means down, and they used it for that comforter because back then they filled the they filled the comforters. They they got these two two uh, blankets and sewed them together whatever material it was, and they put feathers between them. Those are the original comforters. Well, now we put all kinds of different stuff in there, and we use them in the wintertime to keep us warm. Usually we put them over the bed and over the blankets, and, and they work pretty good, don't they? They keep that, that heat in. That's the idea, is to keep the heat in, to make us comfortable. This morning I want to talk to you about comfort one another. My, my friend, when I told him I was, what I was preaching this morning, he, he said, you know, that's a, that's a good message to preach right now. This is what the Lord gave me for this morning. And, and he said, you know, a lot of times congregations, when their pastor is missing, they need comfort. He said, I think you're on the right track. And I hope I am. Comfort means a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint. According to the dictionary. Or it can mean the easing or alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. That's what comfort is. We get comfort in in a lot of different things. You know, we each take comfort in different things. Some of us, you might be sitting down and watching TV. Just relaxing. Others, it it might be right. For me, it's writing. I like to write. I take great comfort in writing. For some, it it might be taking a nap, it might be walking, it might be getting out on the basketball court, I don't know, shooting baskets. You might take comfort in that. It eases your anguish, it eases your pain. Whatever takes away stress can be seen as something that's giving you comfort. Lately, I've been enjoying going down to the Frisbee golf. Anybody else play Frisbee golf? I love playing Frisbee golf. I've been going down to the Frisbee golf course in Belmont, and I take my dog's leash and I attach it to my belt. So he can't go too far. And he walks around the Frisbee golf course with me. He just loves it. He doesn't chase the Frisbee, fortunately. Otherwise, it would be all eaten up by now. But we take comfort together in that. We're together. We're walking around. We're having a good time. We all need to have something we take comfort in. Now, in the story of Job, Job's friends, well, let's read verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It says, now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, you know the story, you know, he lost everything in one day. I mean, it just, he was a rich man and everything was obliterated in one day. When they saw all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, 
and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, for they had made an appointment together. So in other words, they worked it out together to all come at the same time to mourn with him and to comfort him. That's, that's why his friends came. Have you ever gone to be with somebody just to comfort them? Just to sit with them when they needed somebody to sit with them? It was a great comfort to me to have my wife by my side when I had cancer. And when my daughters would come and visit, it was, it was a great comfort. And when I was home and recuperating and pastor would come and visit, it was a great comfort to me. And every once in a while, I go over to my neighbor's house and I sit with him for a little while. And it's a comfort to him. It eases his loneliness. It helps him out. So they came to mourn with him because of all that had happened to him. And they came to comfort him. And when they lifted up his, their eyes afar off and knew him not, they couldn't recognize him. I mean, he was covered with boils. He, covered, he put ashes over his head. He was sitting by a, a fire because everything else was gone. They knew him not. They lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent everyone his mantle. In other words, they ripped their clothes. That was a sign of, of mourning and grief back in the Old Testament days. And sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights. And none spake a word unto him. For they saw that his grief was very great. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having that happen to somebody that you know? Just lose everything. I mean, including his family, including his kids, everything. Would you be able to go and just sit with them for seven days and not say a word? That's hard. We want to say something. We want to try to come up with some words of consolation, some words that can ease their pain and suffering. We had a, a little, our, our district for AFLAC re received a, an award this last quarter, and we had a celebration for that award up in Forest City on, or up in Leland on Friday night. And one of the people on our team Monday, they had lost a very close friend in an accident. And I mean, they were hurting bad, but they wanted to come to the party. And before they came, they texted everyone, and they put it in the message chat, and they said, please don't bring up the accident. We need a break. Don't give us condolences. Don't, just don't say anything about it. We need to have a time of comfort. We need people to ease our pain. We need to have, we need to have a release. And so we kept it light. We, nobody said anything. And I think they really enjoyed that, getting away from it, because it was very difficult for them. Sometimes you don't need to say anything to bring comfort. And what happened when the three friends started opening their mouth? <laughs> it, was, it was anything but comfort. You know, they just told him he was at fault and he was wrong and he did all these things wrong and, and the comfort quickly went away because his friends started talking. So just, just keep in mind that sometimes you can bring comfort without saying a word. I find a lot of comfort in just sitting with my wife watching TV. And we don't talk a whole lot. We just watch because we enjoy the movie. And there's comfort in that. There's comfort in that. 
We all know Psalm 23. Very familiar with that, Psalm 23, 4. I thought, I thought for a little while Jeff was going to steal my sermon this morning. I love the way the Holy Spirit does that. Psalm 23, 4 says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And, and this, you may have heard this before, but I'm going to repeat it anyway because it's a lesson that we can all keep in our minds and remember. The rod and the staff of the shepherd serve two different purposes. The rod is, is like a branch. It's like a, a long stick or almost like a walking stick in a way, just a straight stick. And it's carved out of a sapling tree and it is, it is made to the size of the person who's wielding it. So David's staff when he was small, or Rod when he was small, was smaller than when he got bigger. It's made to the size that you need for your size of body frame. And the person makes it themselves most of the time. They make their own rod. And they carve it to fit their hand, like you would if you carved a walking stick. You'd want it to fit your hand. And that rod is used for many different purposes. It can be used to fight off enemies. You know, you'd smack them with the rod. Sometimes they would even throw it at an enemy that might be approaching so they could ward that enemy off and get rid of it, get it out of there. It's used to direct the sheep, to kind of guide them, to, to say, no, 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 this way. And they put it beside their body, and, no, this way, go this way, you know used to direct them, guide them to go the right way. Because sheep have a tendency to wander off. They use the rod to count them, to separate them out, to count them, so they could count the sheep. It's also used to part the thick wool when they're, when they're inspecting the, the lamb to, to start shearing. They, they use the rod to get down in and part the thick wool to see if there's any um, cuts or bruises or any harm has come to them so that so that they know those areas need to be they need to pay careful attention to that and they, they might need some ointment or something put on them to take care of them to heal them the rods used for that purpose as well the rod represents discipline authority and protection from danger how many appreciate the fact that God uses the rod of authority with us once in a while? You know, we don't always like being disciplined. Not always like it, but sometimes we need it. Sometimes we need it. We need to recognize God's authority. And we're so thankful that he protects us from danger. The staff, on the other hand, now it is, it is made, the staff has a crook on it. That's, that's the thing we probably relate most when we think about a shepherd is the staff. Because the staff has that curved handle. And we think about the, the shepherd taking that staff and hooking it around the neck of a lamb that might be in danger and helping it get out of danger, helping it get out of a thicket that it might have got caught up in or get back up out of a ditch. They'll use that crook on that staff to pull them up, help them get up out of that ditch. Or if a, if a young one has 
wandered off from the mother and they've gotten separated, if that shepherd picked up that young lamb and the mother felt the scent of a human on it, they might not accept it back. So they would use the staff to pick up the young lamb and bring it back to the mother so that the human scent wasn't on the lamb. The staff can also be used to draw timid sheep to the father, to the shepherd, the ones that aren't as uh, apt to come up to him when he needs to, when he needs to count them or he needs to inspect them. He'll use that staff to, to pull, them, pull them to him. Represents, the staff represents kindness and gentleness. Both of these things are associated with the valleys and the trials that we go through. See, he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Your discipline, your authority, your protection from danger, it comforts me. I need that. Your gentleness and your kindness would be associated with mercy. That comforts me. And it's in time of trial that we need that. It's in time of test that we need that. Right after he says, the rod and the stab, he says, you anoint my head with oil. Once we go through that discipline and once we, once we get back in the flock, he anoints us and he sets us apart. It's a beautiful picture of what a shepherd does to his, for his flock. And it's also a beautiful picture of what God does for us. Because he loves us. He wants to comfort us. And he uses his rod and his staff to do that. Now, we don't always think about discipline as comfort, do we? We didn't when we were a kid, that's for sure. You know, you got discipline when you were a kid. That wasn't too comfortable most of the time. You might not have wanted to sat down for a few days after that discipline. But God's discipline, we can take comfort in. Because we know that whatever he does for us, he does for our good. It's always going to be for our good. James says we take joy in the trials. Take joy in the tests. Because he's perfecting us. He's bringing us to a, to a new level, a new height in our walk with him. He's always helping us grow always helping us grow. If you want to turn over, if you want to turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4. And I'm going to read verse 3 as well. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort, now, this is a mouthful here. Get ready. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. There's a lot of comfort in those two verses. A whole bunch of comfort. First of all, our God is the God of all comfort. He eases our pain. Remember the definition? A state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint, the easing or alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. That's comfort. 
That's what God does for us. He's the God of all comfort. Whatever comfort, whatever ease from pain or constraint or grief or distress you feel is a comfort that comes from God. Because he's the God of all comfort. And he'll bring that to you in many different ways. It might be through your brother or through your sister in Christ. It might be from somebody that doesn't even know the Lord. They might bring you comfort. They can. God can use it. God can use any vessel. He's not a respecter of persons. He can use any vessel. It might be your dog or your cat that gives you comfort. God's still the God of comfort. It might be through a word from a pastor or a preacher or somebody on the radio. It might be through a song. How many ever find comfort in a song? Amen. I find it all the time, Ronnie. All the time. I'm out walking early in the morning. I'm listening to music. I find a lot of comfort out there. A lot of comfort. God is the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in our tribulation. Have you ever been in a, in a test or a trial? I talked about my cancer before, but have you ever been through a test or a trial where God came in and just eased his Holy Spirit upon you and you felt that comfort? You felt that spirit touch you and revive you and, and ease that pain, that suffering that you were going through? I think we've all felt that once in a while, haven't we? We've all felt that once in a while. He gives us comfort in our tribulation. Why? So that we may be able to comfort others. He doesn't do it just so we can be comfortable. He doesn't want you to just sit there and say, Oh, I'm comfortable. I'm good now. I don't need anything else. No. Then we have to go out. We're supposed to comfort others. We go out and help them. You know, a lot of the trials that you've been through in your life, you've been through so you can help others to go through the same trial, the same test. He comforts us in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort them in any trouble by the same comfort that we're comforted with by God. The same comfort. We give the same thing to them as God gave to us. Maybe it's some kindness. Maybe it's mercy. Maybe it's grace. You know, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. <laughs> Tell you what, folks, I need all the mercy I can get. I don't know about you, but I need mercy on a regular, scheduled, not scheduled, unscheduled basis. My mess-ups aren't scheduled most of the time. They just kind of come, you know. I say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or, or act the wrong way. And I need mercy. I need mercy. And you know what? Our God is quick to give out mercy. I just read that this week. Where did I read that? I gotta, now i got to find it. I'm sorry. This isn't in my notes. Because I just remember, I just remember in our devotions... My devotions this week, I read this verse in Psalm 90, I think it was. Sorry for the diversion. Psalm 90. I will find it. Psalm 90, verse 14. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy. 
How many here, when they mess up, when they do something wrong, say, oh God, I don't want mercy right now, I want it later? Nah. God, right now, be merciful to me. Right now. God satisfies us early with mercy. He satisfies us right away with mercy. He doesn't wait to do it later. So why do we wait till later to do it to our brother or sister who might offend us? Oh. Comfort those with the same comfort that you were comforted with. He was merciful to you. Be merciful to them. He's the God of early mercy. Right away, he gives mercy. We need to get into that time frame where we give mercy right away. Early, he gives mercy. I love that. I love that. Because I want to I wanna be comforted just like the next guy does. So where does the comfort come from? Well, it comes from the comforter. Right? We have a comforter. And it's not just there to keep us warm at night. Not just something we can throw over our heads when it's cold. The comforter that we have comes because Jesus Christ said he'd come. John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Comforter has a purpose. I've been talking about comfort. Well, what, what brings us more comfort than God's Word? Most of the time, if we want to find comfort, this is the place we're going to find it, right in here in this book. Now, a lot of, it might come from somebody else, but many times those words of comfort that they speak will come from this book. Or the actions that they take will come from this book. He's going to lead us into all truth. That's the comfort that he gives us. He shows us his truth, and his truth is comfortable. It comforts us. It lets us know that you're all right. It lets us know that we're saved. We talked about some of the, the blessings, the promises of God in Sunday school. He's our healer. He's our redeemer. He's our savior. He's our protector. He's our provider. He delivers us. He made a home in heaven for us. He's going to provide summer, winter, fall, and spring. That's just, those are promises of God. They bring us comfort to know that the sun is going to rise and the sun is going to set every day. We know that. God's going to take care of us. The comforter teaches us. He brings us into all things. He brings the things to remembrance, like they did this morning in Sunday school when we were talking about the promises. He brings those things to our remembrance when they need them, when we need them, and they give us comfort. John chapter 15, verse 26 says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he will testify of me. The Comforter gives testimony of Jesus Christ. And in our lives, hopefully, 
when we walk down the street, when we meet somebody, they see that. They can identify with that. They know that we walk with the Lord. They know that we walk in the spirit of truth. They know that we walk a walk that maybe is a little different than the world. I came across the saddest thing the other day. I was, I said it, I was telling in Sunday school how I helped this man and this woman with their branch in the front of their house. And, you know, I just, I said, you know, it's too bad our Congress can't work together like we just did. And they, they just laughed. And, and I said to the man, I said, your wife tells me you've been having back problems. And he said, yeah, I've had them for 50 years. He said, said, I, I'm waiting for an MRI to get, to get, to find out if they're going to do surgery. And I said, well, can I pray with you? And he said, no. I don't believe in prayer. I don't believe in any God. Used to be an evangelical Sunday school teacher. Must have run into some bad teaching. I don't know what happened. I really don't. He didn't want to talk about it. He said, I asked a bunch of questions. Nobody had an answer. I said, well, can we sit down and talk about those questions? No. I don't want to talk about it. I wasn't going to get anywhere with him. I'm just going to try to be friends with him. <laughs> See where we go from there. That's sad. He doesn't have a Holy Spirit to comfort him. We do. John 16:7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad Jesus died on the cross? I mean, that's a terrible thing to say because that was a painful death. But if he hadn't, we wouldn't have the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't have come. It wouldn't have come to be our rod and our staff, to discipline us, to guide us, to show us the way, the comfort, the gentleness and the kindness of the Holy Spirit. Jeff mentioned this morning in Sunday school that God's always a gentleman. That's the Holy Spirit. He's a gentleman. He guides us and he speaks to us and he talks with us and he, he shows us the way. And sometimes we don't listen. Sometimes I don't listen. Sometimes I go the wrong way. I get lost. And he takes that little crook on the end of that staff and he gently pulls me back in. I love him for that. I'm so glad he does. In John chapter 15, it says that the Holy Spirit is there to, to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It's not our job to do that. Not our job to do that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. All we can do is give the word. All we can do is share what we know and allow the word and the Holy Spirit to work together to bring that conviction of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I can't do it. But I need to take my place and share when I have the opportunity to share the word. Now we're in what many people think of the last days. I mean, you hear it all over the place, don't you? It's the last days. Christ is coming soon. They tell you this. They were saying that back in Paul's day, too. 
They thought he was coming soon too. It's been all through the ages they've been saying that, but we're seeing things that nobody's seen before. Well, the Spanish flu back in 2018 was pretty nasty. Pestilence, wars, rumors of war, famine, earthquakes, false prophets. The love of many shall wax cold. What's happening in the church? The church is growing smaller and smaller. Now, some of the mega churches are getting bigger, but church attendance as a whole is getting less and less. Less people in the Gallup surveys and the Pew Research surveys are saying that they identify with Christianity, and a higher percentage are saying they're atheists all the time, every year, every year. In Europe, it's even worse. The church is dying in Europe. Love of many shall wax cold. Many will be offended and betrayed. Even the very elect will be deceived. We see a lot of deception in the church. We get to be so careful at the teachings that are out there. These are all signs of the last days. These are things that Jesus told us were signs of the last days. What are we supposed to do in the last days? What are we supposed to be talking about? How do we comfort one another with all this going on? Well, now the Bible even has an answer for that one. I'm in the wrong book. Hmm. Well, wouldn't you know, I wrote down the wrong scripture reference. <laughs> I love it when that happens. And that or I just turned to the wrong page. We have an obligation to comfort people. Oh boy. I know it's here. I know you're all you're all laughing with me, right? Well, it just disappeared on me. I don't know how scripture does. How does scripture disappear? No, it didn't. It didn't. It's still in here. It's just not where I wrote down it was. Aha. I was off a, 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 ver, a chapter. Then that happened. You know, you write down your notes and you're off a chapter. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet our Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. If you're a child of Jesus Christ, those words are comforting. If you know Jesus is your Savior, it's comforting to know that he's going to come back and pull us out of this trouble. That we're not going to have to go through the tribulation that comes in Revelation. We're not going to have to go through the, the, the terrible things that happen the plagues, 
145 pound hailstones that come falling down out of heaven. We're not going to have to go through that. We're not going to have to go through the pestilence that's going to kill one third of the people on the earth. We're not going to have to go through the giant locusts that come down and pluck men up and then drop them back down to the ground. See what it talks about in Revelation. But we're going to be taken out of here if we know Jesus Christ as Savior. Oh, hallelujah. We're to comfort one another with these words. But to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, those words aren't very comforting. So in closing, we come to you. In closing this morning, I want to ask you, and you know, I know everybody here. We've known each other for a long time. When I was down, when I was living in Sheraton, when I first got first came to Iowa, we were in a church for I don't know, how many years were we in Sheraton? Seven? Seven years? There was a there was a gentleman in the church that was there every single service. He was in his 80s, I believe. And he was always there, always right over there, right in that pew, right, right about where we sit. Every service. And one Thursday night, pastor gave an altar call for salvation and he came forth and said, I've never gotten saved. Shocked me. See, I don't know. God knows. God knows if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I don't. I think you have, because you're here all the time. And I, 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 I think you love the Lord. I think you've given your heart to Jesus. But man, I want to make sure. I want to make sure. So with every, eyes, every head bowed and every eye closed, are you comfortable when I tell you that the saints are going to be taken out of this earth and if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're going to stay here and face the tribulation? Are you comfortable or does that make you uncomfortable? Because if that makes you uncomfortable, then maybe, just maybe, you never fully gave your heart to Jesus. Maybe. I don't know. But I want, I want to know. Because... I want you to be comforted by those words. I want you to have the comforter to be able to come in and live with you and help you and protect you and guide you and, and shepherd you with his rod and his staff. So I'm going to ask you this morning, my friends, you're all my friends. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, truly ask him to come in and take possession of your life and made him Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for your guidance and direction in our lives, Lord. Lord, nobody raised their hand. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad everybody here knows you, Lord, as their Savior. I thought they did. But there's no harm in making sure. There's no harm in checking that in our hearts and making sure that we made that prayer. Hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good. 
You can be comforted this morning. You can take comfort. We're going to sing a closing song. It's true of all of us. Song number 774. You can stand and sing it with me. 774. It says, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. 